monster is a mirror, and when we look at him, we look into our own hidden faces, meditate on this at second level. Is this life reality? No. It is a film. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Here is the hair I've lost in the past three months. Take it. It belongs to you. You will know why one day. That's fucking crazy, man. Welcome to Weird Movie Club. I am the lady, and I sound like this whole Today's movie is Alice, and now your host, Anil and Siri. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Weird Movie Club podcast. Hello to all of you, and hello to you, Sari. Hello. And we're back. I'm Daniel Wishes, and... I'm Sari Yanai. And we're the Mochinosha Puppet Company. And today on the podcast, we're going to be watching a little film called Alice. But before that, I just want to talk about what we've been up to. We just went on a whirlwind tour where we had shows here in Japan, where we're recording from, as well as Brazil and Orlando, Florida. Kind of a random selection of places. <laughs> yeah, it happened. I'm proud to say that in Orlando, at the Orlando Fringe, where we performed our show Space Hippo, we won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Specialty or Variety Show. Yay! And we sold out four or five of our performances, so... Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And we also recorded, we tried to record an episode of the Weird Movie Club podcast there uh, with a friend of ours, Paul Strickland, who picked out a movie for us called Searching for the Wrong-Eyed Jesus. But we had some technical issues during that recording. I was just using my phone. There was like a loud air conditioner. So we'll, we'll decide later whether we can air that or not. Yeah. We also wanted to record an episode in Brazil. Mm. Uh, we were hoping to do the movie Brazil. Yeah. But we just didn't have oh, time. It was too busy. We were only there for like four days. And yeah. we had two shows in two different venues as as well as a workshop. workshop. Yeah. But that was fun, Brazil. Oh, yeah. I'd love to go back. Yeah. I'd love to watch some Brazilian movies as well for the Weird Movie Club podcast. Yeah, sure. Well, today, Sari, as you know, or I guess the audience doesn't know, but you know, of course. We do shows for adults and children. Yeah. And today's film is actually a film for children, perhaps. Really? Yeah, just like our show is a show for children, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps being the key word. Yeah, okay. As usual, I've seen the film and you haven't, right? No. And do you know anything about the film at all? So from the title, I assume it's based on the book Alice in Wonderland? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's a great guess. And you're right. I don't think it's a spoiler. I think it's pretty obvious to anyone who's going to watch the movie that it is based on, kind of based on Alice in Wonderland. But we'll talk about how close it is to the book a bit later. Okay. After we've watched the movie. So as usual, we're going to take a break, watch the movie, and then come back. And you can go watch the movie too. Or if you've seen it already, or if you don't care about spoilers, you can just keep listening and we'll be right back to talk about Alice after we've watched Alice. Yay! There is a place like no place on earth. 
a land full of wonder, mystery, and danger. Some say to survive it, you need to be as mad as a hatter. Which luckily, I am. All right, and we are back from watching the 1988 classic film Alice by Jan Svankmeyer. Uh, so what do you think, Sari? What are your initial thoughts on that movie? I liked it, and I thought, you know, the story, original story is weird. But I... this movie is even weirder. Have you read the book? Did you read it in English or in Japanese? Uh, I think when I was a kid, I read it in Japanese, and then I saw a play. You saw a play? Yeah. Did you see the Disney version of Alice in Wonderland? Ah, uh, no, I guess not. It's quite a bit different than this version. Oh. I think you'll find. Well, you know, Alice has been adapted um, many, many times, uh, the story of Alice in Wonderland. Mm. Uh, but this is a unique interpretation of it. Uh, let's recap the movie. Spoiler alert, although, like I always say, a movie like this can't really be spoiled, can it? Mm. If I told you everything that was going to happen in the movie, you still would be surprised by what you see, wouldn't you? Mm. And a big part of that has to do with uh, the unique style of stop animation yeah. that is, is used in this movie. That's the highlight. All right. Well, this movie kind of follows the book roughly, but you know, the book is very, very verbal and this movie takes a more visual turn for more visual surrealism. This version is just called Alice. We don't have Wonderland in the title. I don't know if this story actually takes place in the same Wonderland. Mm. A lot of the story is the same. One thing that's different is that most of the movie takes place indoors and everything's sort of made out of like weird household objects. Mm, and it's a bit dirty. Everything's a bit dirty, yeah. So Alice sees a stuffed taxidermied white rabbit and it comes to life, bites its nails off, and it gets a, a pair of scissors out of a secret hidden drawer. Mm. And this rabbit has some odd habits. It's not an ordinary rabbit. <laughs> it um, it does this thing where it clicks its teeth. And it, because it's taxidermied and it's full of wood shavings, some of the wood shavings leak out and then, then it eats them. Yeah. I, I guess to get the wood shavings <laughs> back inside. Yes, it's weird. So Alice, like in the original story, chases the rabbit until they arrive at a desk drawer and she climbs inside the desk drawer, mm. which seems impossible, but somehow she fits her whole body yeah. in it. But this... before she always breaks the knob. Yeah. Yeah. The drawer knob. There's a reoccurring gag throughout the film where whenever Alice tries to open a drawer, the knob comes off. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Often causing her to pull really hard, and then when it pops off, she falls backwards. Yeah. Then, you know, she arrives at a room with a small door. She has to eat a magic cookie. Mm. Magic cookie shrinks her, and when she shrinks, she doesn't just turn into a smaller version of herself. She turns into a small doll, a doll version of herself. Right. And then in order to become big again, she has to drink a bottle of ink mm. and you know it's the classic scene where she's like she shrinks but then she can't get the key so then she grows but then she's too big to fit through the door she begins crying which fills the room up with tears mm. and that's when the mouse appears a little mouse swimming with this with a treasure chest or like an old steamer trunk kind of thing and he tries to camp in her hair yeah i think you said that that was like one of your favorite scenes oh yes i really like the food looking very weird 
stick. It does. Yeah, I, I, I think the actor used actor rice grains. It, it looked like he was cooking rice. Yeah. 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 And it looked like he was actually like sitting on her head and making a fire out yeah, of her hair. Yeah, he cuts her hair and uh, yeah. set fire. So the mouse sets up camp. He like puts nails into her head and builds a fire. But Alice seems okay with this until the fire part, at which point she's like, okay, that's enough. And then she like dunks her head under the water so the mouse has to swim yeah, away again. Yeah, she's waiting for a long time before she says, okay, it's going too far. Yeah, she says too far. Then she eats another cookie. She's able to get through the door. And then she follows the white rabbit to his house where he says his housemaid, Mary. And it's like, Mary, Mary, go get my scissors. So she goes into his house, uh, finds another bottle of the ink, and then she gets giant and she can't get out of the house. Mm. And then the animals start attacking her. Mm. The rabbit and these different sort of skull lizard creatures. Yes. At which point, I remember when we were watching the movie, you said, why are they attacking her? Oh. It starts with uh, the rabbit trying to come in and Alice doesn't want yeah, him to come Yeah, I wondered in. why she... She didn't want to let, let him, him in. in. Yeah, I guess she didn't want him to see her as a giant. I'm not but really sure. But she keeps asking, hello. Please, sir, please. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so it, things go wrong. They start throwing rocks at her. She eventually gets out. They kind of surround her and force her into a pot of milk, which turns her into some sort of giant doll where she's trapped inside a doll. Mm. Uh, she's a bit fat in the Yeah. Scene. Like doll is a bit fat. I guess. They put her into a storage room and she like escapes, breaks out of the doll. That's cool. The doll is real and she actually totally broke it through. Yeah. I, I mean, I find all the shots in this movie like really cool and visually interesting. Um, yeah. So then she starts searching through this house and she finds this strange room full of holes that have little sock snake creatures oh, in them. Oh yes, a sock. And that's Monsters. where she meets sort of this one sock creature, which is this version of Alice's caterpillar. Because in, you know, Alice in Wonderland, there's the caterpillar. Oh. And this is the caterpillar on the mushroom that gives really? her like a piece of the mushroom. Except the mushroom is made out of wood. Right. And it's like, eat one side, you'll get big. Eat the other side, you'll get small. But when she eats it, it doesn't make her big and small. It makes these sort of Christmas trees big and small. I didn't realize that those are caterpillars. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, then she hears a crying baby coming from a tiny little house. Mm. And she eats the mushroom, which makes the house grow bigger. And, you know, there's plates coming out and some weird frog guys wearing wigs come and have an invitation to see the queen. She finally gets the baby out and of course the baby mm. turns into a pig. Yeah. Just like in the original story. Then she finds the Mad Hatter's Tea Party which is like sort of an old-fashioned Czech marionette. Yeah. With like a stuffed rabbit and they're having this endless tea party just like in the book where they go around switching places. Fresh cup, fresh cup, going from teacup to teacup while the rabbit smears butter on, mm. on watches and it just keeps going to until Alice gets kind of creeped out for the first time in the movie. After all the weird <laughs> things she's seen, skeleton creatures I and taxidermists, she... she seems a little bit like, okay, I need to leave now. And she kind of like backs away. She was creeped out by the fact that the third animal licked and cleaned out all the cups. In the scene before that, the frog-like creature that delivered the message was like licking up bugs and smashing everything. But I don't think she... I know you were a little bit creeped out by that yeah. giant tongue, but I don't know if Alice was. Mm. Okay, what happens after that? Oh yeah, so after that, she finds the king and queen of hearts. 
Uh, there's like soldiers fighting made out of cards and the rabbit cuts their heads off. Turns out that the rabbit is the royal executioner. Mm. He cuts off heads for the queen and that's what the scissors are for that we've seen him with through the whole thing. There's a game of cricket, you know, where Alice's cricket turns into a bird and her the ball turns into a cute little hedgehog. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And then Alice is put on trial for eating the queen's tarts. And Alice responds like, I didn't eat the tarts. The tarts are still here. Well, mm. almost all of them. And then she starts eating all the tarts, <laughs> just like yes. chewing down. Oh, yeah. I forgot. There's a part where the Mad Hatter and the rabbit's heads get cut off and they just pick them up and put them back on, but on the wrong bodies. Oh, yeah. Switch heads. She starts having the heads of the Mad Hatter and the rabbit and the, the frog, froggy messengers. And then she wakes up mm. and it was presumably a dream except the rabbit is still missing and his glass is broken from his display case mm. so she finds the secret drawer pulls out the scissors mm. and she ends the movie by saying mm. the rabbit's late when i find him i'm gonna cut his head off mm. is this the original story it, it, in the original story she never there's no scissors and she never threatens to cut the rabbit's head off no oh so and um, there's no evidence of the rabbit actually might be existing. I don't think so, no. no. She just, in the original story, she just wakes up. Yeah, she wakes up and then she tells her sister about it and leaves. And then her sister has a dream about her and relives all of her adventures. And then she thinks about Alice growing up and feels sad. Okay. All right, well, would you like some trivia about this movie? Yes. I did some research. Cool. The Czech title of this film, I have no idea how to pronounce it. It's Neko z Alenki. Alenki. The literal translation to English means something from Alice. Huh. So it's not Alice in Czech. No, Alice is just the English title. Mm. It's just some weird movie club trivia. This is the first Czech movie that we've watched for Weird Movie Club and probably Yay. the first of many, many Czech movies. Uh, Czech movies are very famous for being weird. Apparently, it's an expression in Europe when you're in a weird situation to be like, oh, this is turning out to be like a Czech movie. It's an huh. actual expression they use for describing things uh, that are weird. Okay. Uh, this is also our first movie that we've watched from the 1980s. This movie's from 1988. So far, all of the movies we've watched are from the 70s. Oh, so it's the newest one. This is the newest one oh, we've seen so far. it doesn't far. feel like it's the newest, though. No? Which one felt like the newest? Um, uh, maybe... I don't know, Holy Mountain. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Holy Mountain's from the 70s. Uh. So there's there's a thing where the character of Alice, she narrates everything and she does all of the characters' voices. Yeah, and the, the camera is focused on, on her lips when she talks. Every time she talks, we do an extreme close-up of her lips. That really reminds me of Samuel Beckett's some movie where like he only shoots like a woman's lips entirely. Do you know that? No, I don't know that. Okay. I should. Yeah. She means not I my Samuel make it face has been bullied. But it does kind of remind you constantly that you're watching a movie. It kind of takes you out of it a bit and you're like, oh yeah. It's like mm. always reminding you you're watching a movie. I also noticed that whenever Alice looks at something, there's kind of a close-up of her face. So we're like, we're looking at Alice, but we're looking at Alice very closely, like examining things. Right. 
And Alice is, of course, the only human in this movie, except for her sister at the beginning. But we never see her sister's face. Her like, uh, head's cut off in the frame. Yeah. Uh, isn't the sister not real? I think she's real. Well, no, but then, like, there's, like, a scene. Sister is, uh... Is, like, a doll. But yeah. at the beginning, they sure is real. Yeah, I mean, I think she's probably real. There's, like, the scene at the beginning is Alice is outside with the sister. Yeah. And... She's throwing rocks, and then she, like, starts to annoy the sister. And then the next scene is, like, Alice has gone inside because she's annoyed by her sister. And uh, so instead of throwing rocks into the water, she's throwing rocks into a teacup full of tea. I thought the sister scene was also her imagination. I guess it could be. That's, that's an interesting theory. Mm. So everything that happens in the movie, I guess, is, is sort of like Alice's dream, right? Yeah. And a lot of people have said that this is kind of like a scary movie, and it's, like, associated... With horror. Sometimes it's even listed as a horror movie. Ah, uh, yeah. What do you think? Do you think it was a horror movie? <laughs> Did you ever find it scary? No, it's not scary. I don't think it's a horror movie. I'm very scared at horror movies, but this one is not scary at all. They just they just use dolls and, like, you know, they're puppets. They're cute. Yeah, some people are just afraid of puppets. Yeah. Which, as we are a couple of puppeteers, that kind of annoys us a little bit. Yeah, we... Yeah, I just, I love puppets, cool, so... Cool people aren't afraid of puppets. No. Being afraid of puppets isn't something you should brag about. <laughs> it's not like something to be proud of, like, man, I'm so cool, I'm afraid of puppets, and that makes me different. Oh, it's not cool. No. So Alice never feels like she's in danger, does she? No. She kind of gets hurt a little bit here and there, like, uh, she she pokes her finger on a compass... Yeah. She gets hit in the knee by a dish that's being thrown to the house. Right, yeah. She oh, kind of, she, she has like rocks that. thrown at her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, she never seems like, it never seems like it's actually possible for her to get hurt. She, it's like she's playing with toys. Almost. Yeah. So what do you think this, what do you think this movie meant? What? What was the meaning of this weird uh, movie? Do you think there was like some symbolism or meaning? Uh, I didn't, I didn't watch this movie like. With the feeling of what is this meaning? Like, like other movies like made me think a lot, especially Holy Mountain and uh, and this movie you didn't think about like any kind of hidden meaning, just kind of had fun with it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I just thought, oh, you know, it's kind of it can be her dream or her imagination, but then like they kind of left that to the audience because the rabbit was actually gone so yeah. it could be her imagination it could happen real but it can't it just um, leave it to the audience so at the beginning of the movie one of the first things alice says is now you're going to see a movie for children perhaps oh yeah yeah do yeah. you think this was a movie for children no it's not <laughs> would you show this movie to kids? I don't think so either. I, I would imagine the kids could actually get scared a bit or just get bored. I think I would really, really enjoy this movie if I saw it when I was a kid. Ah. I saw some other movies that... I never saw this movie as a kid, but I saw some things that were a bit similar, like kind of creepy, weird stop animation like this, and I really enjoyed it. Ah. There was a, a really disturbing one when I was a kid, which maybe we'll watch on the show someday, called The the Adventures of Tom Sawyer. I think that's what it's called, and it had some like really creepy parts, and I, I loved it as a kid. Ah, I don't know. 
when I was a kid, I was I was actually scared of dolls. So too many dolls in this one. Yeah, I would see some nightmares. There's also a line that Alice says at the beginning, where she says, "Close your eyes, or yeah. you won't see anything at all." And when we were watching it, you actually turned to me and said, "Should I do it?" Yeah. And I was like, "No, probably not." How do you think your experience of watching this movie would have been different if you had watched the whole thing with your eyes closed? Ah. I feel like you would have missed out on a lot. Yeah, I would. Yes. Because all narration is done by the little girl. Um, yeah. Somebody must have tried it at some point. Somebody must have been like, all right, I want to see what it's like to watch it with my eyes closed. Because I guess, presumably, since we both watched it with our eyes open, neither of us saw anything at all. No. Right? So we might have to watch it again or not watch it again. Mm, I was I was almost going to close my eyes, actually. Oh, yeah. For like maybe even several seconds. What you said? No. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wanted you to see what was going to happen. <laughs> Maybe I should have let you. Maybe, Maybe you would have seen more things if you had closed your eyes. Maybe. Speaking of closing your eyes, what did you think of the sound in this movie? I found it really good, but um, they only use music in the beginning of the ending, isn't it? They don't use very much music, but the sound effects are really good. And you have to remember that none of the sound is real. Like scissor snapping, like mm. stitching of clothes, like every sound you hear is created because of course the stop animation doesn't make any noise mm. so everything had to be like carefully like created sound wise to make it seem make it help seem like everything actually was moving yeah you know? so i think that's kind of interesting so maybe maybe there is something to watching the movie with your eyes closed right so again, this movie doesn't have any mention of, or never uses the word Wonderland in it. Spankmeyer apparently said that he saw Alice in Wonderland not as a fairy tale, but a description of a dream. Mm. He made this movie during a time when the government of Czech was under communist rule. And apparently they were very, very oppressive. And in the film industry, they would only give money to movies if people were making fairy tales. Oh. Because they thought, oh, fairy tales are harmless. So apparently the reason some people say this movie was made was Svankmeyer wanted to like take a fairy tale, which he thought he could get funding for to make a movie, but make it subversive and also, and try to like kind of secretly make it a criticism of the communist government at that time. So is this movie actually criticizing? Criticizing communism. communism? Yeah, a lot of people interpret it that way. Like the court scene or which scene? Kind of the whole movie. Just it's supposed to, you know, show the absurdity of like a, an oppressive government. And actually, after communism fell, people asked Svankmeyer about it. Like, you know, was an Alice about a criticism against communism? And will your movies change now that communists aren't in power anymore? And he said, the movie's more of uh, commentary against oppression and fascism. And as long as there are fascists in the world, which there always will be, that's what all my movies are going to be about. I'll tell you what my feeling about the movie is, though. Okay. This movie really makes me feel nostalgic, actually. Is it? Yeah, I don't know how many people have a feeling where they watch this and think, this really sums up my childhood. Especially maybe younger people listening to this show, because I feel like childhood is different now. Like, mm. now everybody has, like, smartphones and technology and it's Netflix. It's really easy to be entertained. But when I was a kid, I was bored a lot. 
You know, I'd be sent to my grandparents' house to spend a couple days there and they would be outside in the yard and I would have nothing to do. Mm. And they just had this kind of big empty house because they had like four kids and the kids left home. So they had all these empty rooms and these empty rooms were just full of like weird stuff. And I would just go through it and explore. And I, I would look in a drawer and, and prick my finger on like a compass. Mm. And there would be like sweets jars, like jars of like candy and cookies that I'd get excited thinking, oh boy, it's a snack, and then open it up only to find that it's like got thumbtacks or sewing supplies or something not fun, which really, when Alice gets the jar, she finds a jar of jam, but the jam's full of like thumbtacks. It really reminded me of like the way I saw things as a child, like I'm looking for something interesting to do, but everything's like dangerous and not, I'm looking for sweets, but I get thumbtacks instead. Mm. To me, Alice was really bored at the beginning of the movie and everything she does, she does out of curiosity and adventure. Mm. And that reminded me of when I was a kid and that's what I would do is I would just go and search for everything. And she's not afraid of anything. She's just looking for something interesting to do. And that that really spoke to me and brought back memories of a, when I was a kid being bored be, before the internet existed and all those mm. things. Maybe, I don't know if people now still have that same sense of boredom where they just are willing to explore like an empty house full of junk in order to try to find some kind of entertainment. Mm. So a little history about Jan Svankmeyer. He was born in Prague in 1934. He's pretty old now. Uh, he was given a puppet theater as a Christmas gift as a child. You know, puppetry is very big in Prague. Mm. And he got really into puppetry. He studied at the College of Applied Arts in Prague and later in the Department of Puppetry at the Prague Academy of Performing Arts. And he worked in theater and had his own theater company uh, using wow. puppets before he began making films. Cool. He got married to a woman named Eva Svankmeyerova. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> and she was an internationally known surrealist painter, uh, ceramicist and writer. She unfortunately passed away in 2005, but she worked a lot on his movies, helping bring his visuals to life. In fact, I believe in this movie, mm. the playing cards like the Queen and King of Hearts, which are kind of animated and more two-dimensional style, she oh, actually yeah. painted those cards. Oh, really? That's, that one's really good. Uh, they they changed the face. Yeah. They kind of. Do you think they just switched? Uh, yeah, I think they switched, uh. and you know, she painted a different versions to like you know, mm. kind of animated. But yeah, I I, really I believe cool. it was her that painted those. Mm. She was like a famous surrealist painter. Mm. So this was his very first movie that he ever made. Mm. However, he was already famous when he made this movie mm. because he had been making short films for 20 years. He oh. made 20 years worth of short films before finally deciding to make a feature. So when, what, what's the age when he actually made this movie? So he was born in 34? Ni- 1934. And the movie was like 85 or 6? 88. 88. So, wow. So he didn't make this movie until he's like 50s. I guess so. Yeah, I'm not oh. good at not good at math, Sarah. You know that. <laughs> trying to embarrass me on the podcast and show. No, up. I just want to know. Like it's very inspiring that he, you know, he made this future film when he was fifties. Yeah, he wait. He waited a long time, but he had made tons of short films. Mm. When he had a film in the seventies, a short film that he made before this called The Castle of. Otranto and the communist government at that time gave him a bunch of notes Mm. saying we want you to make all these changes to the film and he said no absolutely not I refuse and so he was banned from making films for seven years and that's a hard time for him 
Yeah, and that's a big reason why people say that his films are kind of veiled criticisms of uh, communism. Mm. Fun fact about this film, uh, most stop animated films use a lot of miniatures, and this movie doesn't really use very many miniature sets, except from like maybe the house that she's in, but mostly things are life-sized. Even though this movie was made in 1988, his very first short film was made in 1964. Okay. So he'd been uh, making things for a long time. Um, He made his first movie, his first short film, four Mm. years before the Soviet invasion of 1968. Mm. And that's when the communist government started to encourage filmmakers to only base films on fairy tales because they were seen as harmless entertainment. Mm. That's why they say a lot of other Mm. Czech movies are weird because people started trying to put secret messages and symbolism and movies got weirder. Mm. There was like tons of censorship in Czech uh, during the communist rule and surrealism became one of the most popular art films because it was like one of the only ways artists could express themselves without uh, being censored. So this movie it's like a movie version of surrealism. Yeah he was was heavily into surrealism he was like a big part of the surrealism movement although he famously said that none of his movies were surrealist movies. He said, a movie can't be a surrealist movie. It can only be a movie that contains surrealism, mm. which I don't quite know the meaning of that. But that was like a thing that he said in interviews surrealism that was important is to him. Like in painting, it's kind of, uh, it doesn't capture realistic materials. Um, but movie has to always show actual materials to create a movie. Yeah, except maybe in the case of animation, right? Yeah, except animation, I think. Yeah, but this movie is, um, even though it's stop animation, they, he, I think he chose to, I don't know, seems like he chose to use actual... O- actual objects, objects yeah. Objects, yes. Or things that look like actual objects. Yeah. Do you think this movie would be the same if it was made today with like CGI instead of stop animation? No! No, I, this, this movie is good because it has actual texture on the... It's very textural. It feels like everything yeah. in the movie can be touched, And like right? you said, it's like the sound effects sound so real. It's like you actually cut something using scissors or like stitch something yeah. or pour something. So Svankmeyer is still alive and he's still making movies. And he's been asked whether he would ever use CGI, because to this day, he still uses stop animation. And he says, I'll never, ever use CGI. He said, CGI creates an untouchable reality. It's just a thing where you can tell that you can't touch the things in the movie. And he says that that makes the film poorer on an imaginative, emotional level. How can you connect to things when you can't touch them? So another thing I read in an interview with him was that because he was becoming so successful, the communist government wanted to kind of, you know, show him off. Like, this is a great filmmaker we have. They tried to give him all these (laughs) awards and he refused to accept any rewards from the government at all whatsoever. Like, even after... It's Czech still... It's no longer a communist country. Okay. But he... Does he still refuse any... Awards? Awards, yeah. I don't know. I I don't think so. I think it was mostly under the communist government that he refused to accept any awards. Mm. But I don't know for sure. But yeah, they offered him a Laurier reward and he he refused it. And after communism fell, he said the real enemy is totalitarianism. And that's a universal enemy that he'll continue to fight until his death. Mm. He recently made a new film just 
I think it came out like last year or the year before, and it's a brand new movie called Insects, which he has said is going to be sadly the last film that he ever makes because he believes he is now too old to make films. Wow, how old is he again? Uh, I'm not good at math. He was born in 1934. <laughs> okay, so he. What does that make like him? Eighty-six or something. It's very close to ninety. Yeah. I didn't write it down in my notes. I'm gonna add it as like an extra thing. I'll just re record, I'll just record the audio of me saying it, but I'll leave this part in so everyone in the audience will know that I'm an idiot who couldn't、uh, figure it out. So, you know Milos Forman? No. He's the guy who directed、uh, Amadeus. Okay, yes, I know him. And, and I don't think you know this movie, but for the folks at home, he directed.、Uh Man in the Moon. Okay, I don't know. <laughs>、um, well, there's a famous quote from Milos Forman about Svank Meyer where Milos Forman said that Svank Meyer is like Disney plus Boonwell equals Svank Meyer. But I guess we haven't watched any Boonwell movies、no. yet, so you don't know who Boonwell is.、But. No, is it like, do you understand why he, he says Disney at all? No, not really. <laughs> Other than the fact that it's Alice, and, Alice based off Alice in Wonderland, which. The Disney version is probably the most famous version of that,、uh, that movie. Oh, yeah, I noticed there's no cat. There's, there's no Cheshire cat, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's, that's the most that, that's the, like, most famous character in Alice in Wonderland. There's, not, there's not really a Tweedledum and Tweedledee there, I think. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And you know, like, Svankmeyer would often say, I think, I could be misquoting him, but I believe he said that this movie wasn't supposed to be an adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. It was、oh. supposed to be inspired by Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Although there are like a lot of things that are directly from the book, obviously.、Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, he's also said that when he works with actors, because he does work with actors sometimes, like,、mm. like the little girl in this movie, but he's worked with actors in his other movies too,、mm. uh, the way he directs them, Is he says that he treats them the same as he treats his inanimate objects in the movie. He doesn't、okay. choose them for their acting ability, but how well they visually fit into his vision. Oh, yeah, that girl was really, really cute. She is a very cute girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tried to find out what happened to that girl. Oh, yeah. She seemed very talented. Her name was Christina Kohotova. So, so, I'm so bad with names, sorry. It's okay. And I couldn't find anything about her. And other people on the internet have been trying to find out who she is, too. There is a theater actress who has the same name and is about the right age and kind of looks like her. And people on the internet think maybe that's her, maybe it isn't,、mm. but nobody's really sure、uh, what happened to her. Wow, that's interesting.、Uh, she was really good in this movie.、Though. Yeah. Very cute. Almost like, almost ridiculously cute. <laughs> A very,、yes. very cute girl. Yes. And she's expressive too. She's very expressive, yeah. She has this sort of、uh, very rebellious look、uh, where、yeah. she just seems like annoyed by things. Sometimes she's a bit surprised or sad, but mostly it just seems like she's like kind of a, a troublemaker, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, those are kind of all my notes that I have. I try to do a bit of research. I have one other quote from him from an interview. I don't 
I don't know if this is interesting or not, but he said, I never call myself an animated filmmaker because I'm not interested in animation techniques or creating a complete illusion. My mm-hmm. only interest is bringing to life everyday objects. Wow. But I think he's a, a very good animator. Yeah. I think his animation's really good. There's so many little details in the animation, like when the rabbit puts on the gloves. I love the way the rabbit puts on his gloves, because normally, even in movies, when you see an actor put on gloves, they just kind of pull at the end of the gloves. But whenever I put on gloves, I always kind of press between the fingers to, mm. to like get the fingers on. And the rabbit did that. And I was like, wow, yeah, so much detail mm. in the movement and everything. Yeah, you think there's a meaning that all the rooms, buildings are a bit dirty? Well, that could be seen as a criticism against the decay that happened mm. under communist leadership. But I think more likely it's actually just his preferred aesthetic. Kind of all of his all of his films mm. kind of have that sort of dirty, filthy, worn down aesthetics. It's kind of like his, his trademark. Mm. It's kind of like his style as a filmmaker. And he uses like kind of daily objects, like just common objects to create his world. That's right. It's, like, it's really his style, yeah. I found it really cool that he used socks for the caterpillars. Yeah, oh, that was your favorite scene, wasn't it? Yes, yes, that's like definitely my favorite. The way they come to life and look like little worms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like she puts air into the sock. She blows it up like a balloon. Yeah, and um, then like she leaves it to the hole and then it starts moving. Yeah. And then like her socks also become like come alive and try to escape from her feet and she tries to get it. I can honestly say that I love every scene in this movie. I feel like any scene in this movie, you could just watch it by itself without watching the rest of the movie and you would still enjoy it. Like every scene, I feel like something really interesting and cool and weird is happening. I'm, 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 I'm a big fan of this movie, so I'm happy that you liked it. Mm. Uh, I think it's a fun one. It's our first kids movie that we've done. I don't think we're going to do too many movies so, for children, perhaps, on the Weird Movie Club podcast. Is know? it really meant to be f- for kids? Perhaps. Perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think I'd show it to our kids if we have kids. I, was, I think they I would was like really it. I was really scared of dolls when I was a kid. Why? What's scary about dolls? You know, know. We're, our kind of our job is to move dolls around. Where people call puppeteers dolly wrigglers. It's uh Yeah, but they're like scary stories in Japan, you know, dolls like uh, like Chucky. I mean, like, those have souls and, like, their hair grows every day. Oh, you mean, like, Japanese folktales and yeah. sort of ghost stories? Yeah. And uh, there's a door in my child's room, and that door was my mom's. And you um, weren't allowed to play with it? No. I, I mean, I, I could play, but I was really scared. Oh, so did you play with it? No, because <laughs> I was really scared. It's my mom's favorite door, but... When I was in bed, I tried not to see the door, so I tried to be as close as like a wall or like drawer, so that my eyesight will not be able to see the door in the night. Did yeah. did the doll look like it was looking at you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did it have like those kind of glass eyes? Oh, it was a winking doll. Yeah, yeah. Like when you tilt the head back, the eyes open and close. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to that doll? Do you still have it? No, because I was so scared, Mao kind of gave up and she kind of threw it away. Oh, that's sad. 
We could have been like your family heirloom. We could have given oh. that to our kids to scare them. And then they could have given it to their kids to give them nightmares. And it could be like an ongoing nightmare. I don't know. Like my mom threw it away for a long time. And finally I found that. Oh, yeah. Like I think I was adult and I still thought, oh, was I going to be cursed? Hmm. I guess it's a good thing that in Japan you burn all the garbage, right? Because... If it was in Canada, the, most of the garbage gets buried, and the doll would probably dig its way out and then come back to your door and be like, Why oh. did you throw me away, Sari? Oh, okay, stop it. Why did you throw <laughs> me away? Okay, okay, that's enough. I'm sorry, are you getting scared? Yes. You know, there's like, in Japan, there's still things that you can bring doors to shrine and then shrine burns them after they purify them oh yeah i've heard about that i always find that weird because i i think that a lot most kids wouldn't want their dolls to be burned it seems kind of horrible to think about your doll getting burnt it's like if after you, love your you doll. no after you you feel like it's you know it's dead <laughs> no i mean like you don't need it anymore but don't you still love it even if you don't need it anymore? You have you might you know, have to leave have to move out, you might have to get rid of some stuff then but something you used to love so you don't wanna just throw away Because it'll get revenge garbage. on you? It could, yeah. It'll turn into a monster. It could, so we just bring it to the shrine and they you know, take care of them. Right. We should do that with our puppets. When we're done with puppets, we should take them to the shrine and have them burnt because our puppets might get revenge on us someday. Maybe. If we stop using them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think they would burn our puppets for us at a shrine? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we should have like a puppet burning party. I don't care about my paper puppets, though. No? Shadow. Well, they'd burn easy because they're paper. Yeah, you know, they're shadow. It's not, you know, paper and shadow is different. Yeah. I don't think my, like, you know, my... um. My puppets that I make out of fabric would burn well. They'd probably release like all kinds of chemicals into the air. It's probably not yeah. good for the environment. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting a little bit off subject, but that's okay. I think people like to, to hear about culture and... Um... Maybe. So I want to know though, like, did you watch, like, how many stop animated movies like this have you seen? Were there stop animated movies that you watched when you were a kid? Because it's kind of a dying art form now. There's not really a lot of people oh. making stop animation anymore, which is sad. I think. Yeah. I don't think I watched a lot. I don't think when I was a kid I watched stop animation. They're like actual puppet shows on TV. But it, I don't think it was stop animation. So was it a strange experience for you then to see a, a movie like this that was mostly stop animation? Um, but then I became adult and I watched a bunch of stop animations, so... But then ha you've watched things like you watch Coraline, which yeah. you know, uses 3D printing and stuff. And yeah. like, I guess the closest thing maybe we've seen is like Isle of Dogs and stuff by, you know, like Wes Anderson. His movies are yeah. a little bit more textural. Yeah. Like, how about Terry Gilliam's? Is it the one? Uh, Terry Gilliam he uses some like kind of he does paper cutout yeah. stop animation he yeah. cuts out pictures that might be the closest to he me. doesn't really do 3d uh, stop animation and he's never made a feature film using stop animation all of his feature films are very visual and cool and we're probably gonna watch them on the show but he doesn't really use much stop animation in his mm. his own films he just sort of did that for Monty Python for little uh, okay. little funny sketches you know okay 
There was some in like the Monty Python movies, like Meaning of Life oh, yeah, and Life yeah. of Brian and Holy right. Grail. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I might have seen some, but I don't remember. There was some stop animation in a movie that we've already seen for Weird Movie Podcast. Do you remember? Houseu. That's right, Houseu. Yeah. But also another one. Eraserhead. Eraserhead, yeah. I think actually stop animation happens a lot in in sort of weird movies. Wait, is Eraserhead stop animation in the, that part? There's a scene where the little umbilical cord or worm thing is like moving around. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And some of the stuff with the baby is stop animation. Okay. Presumably. Uh, if you want to, you can either believe the story that it was a combination of puppetry and stop animation, or you can believe the、mm. underground story that it was an actual demon calf <laughs> baby that David Lynch summoned for、oh. the purpose of the movie. But since he hasn't done that since, I feel like it's probably that,、uh, like, it's like a good puppet with some stop yeah, animation. Yeah, very good puppet. And the fact that there was other obviously stop animated films in the movie kind of shows that he knew how to do stop animation. Okay.、So. Oh, it's well done. I like、um, this movie, like, it's really obvious it's a stop animation because it's not, like, smooth. And I really like that kind. I don't, I'm not too into ones, like, super smooth, like,、uh, one we watched, like, Kubo. Yeah, Kubo, Car- Kubo was so smooth that.、Mm. To me, I couldn't even tell that it was stop animation. It just looked like 3D animation. Yeah. Especially since everything was designed as 3D animation and then printed out on a 3D printer. Yeah. It'd been nice if they'd used some more texture in that movie to make it like. Yeah. So you can tell what, that you're watching.、Something. Yeah, like Isle of Dogs. Yeah, like Isle of Dogs or the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, yes, yes. I think probably Wes Anderson, I think there's a, I don't know for sure, but I feel like there's a really good chance that he got some inspiration for those movies he made. From、oh. Jan Svankmeyer, because Jan Svankmeyer is like, he's considered one of the greatest stop animators、okay. in the world, you know. Wow. But I guess you hadn't seen any of his movies until now, and I'm sure we'll watch another one of his movies、nice. so- at some point here on Weird Movie Club. Although、yeah. this, this one's in my heart is my, my favorite.、Mm, love, it, I love Alice. It reminds me of your childhood. I was always a big fan of, of the books, Alice in Wonderland and、mm. Through the Looking Glass, and, and similar books of like little kids going on adventures in weird, dreamlike、mm. lands. you know? And of course, our own show, the show that we made for Mochinosha Public Company, Shadow Kingdom, which you should book us in your hometown <laughs> to perform, is of course partially inspired by. Things like Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah, and also our very, very first show we made.、Uh, our very、my、first show, My Grandfather's Dresser. dresser. Yeah, it had some sort of Alice、It's、in Wonderland. Kind of, yeah, a bit similar.、Uh, the idea is like there's a drawer, and from the drawer, there's a bunch of objects coming out.、Um, you know that? Wow, that never occurred to me when, <laughs> when, I made, when we made that show. It never occurred to me the similarities between that show. But yes, that was a show about a little girl. Who goes to her grandfather's house, finds his dresser, and starts looking through it. And each drawer has like some weird things that come to life. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. To be honest, it really when... is similar to that movie. And it never occurred to me until you just pointed it out now. Yeah, to be honest, when you started talking about how you love this movie because you could connect to your childhood, I, I actually thought, oh, that's how Dan came up with my grandfather's dresser. It is. That's where I got the inspiration from. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'd ever actually seen Alice at that time. 
Really? Yeah, I might not have seen it until after we made that show, but I don't remember. So maybe I did unconsciously, you know, kind of mm. get some inspiration from this movie. I, I'm not sure. Oh, interesting. I think if I was really inspired, though, I would have made that show a little bit darker. Maybe. Oh, yeah. You know, that was our very first show we ever made. It had a lot of different puppets in it. It was like a, it was it was a big show. <laughs> we wanted a theater. Like maybe a 60-seat theater, something small, because it was our first time performing. Yeah. Um, but the only theater we could get was like a 400-seat venue. <laughs> and it was hard. It was a rough time. It was a rough time. And yeah. we only did that show at one Fringe Festival in Winnipeg, and we've never done it since. Yeah. And most of the puppets from that show don't exist anymore. And I don't think... I think the show got bad reviews, um, but... <laughs> But I don't know. There was like some good good moments in yeah, that show. Yeah, good moments. And it was our starting point. And I, th- yeah. I guess we have gotten a lot better since then. Yeah. it's uh, It's been six years. Yeah. Oh. Crazy. Time flies, doesn't yeah. it? Zeri, something strange is happening to me. I'm being teleported. Where am I? And how do I leave? You are here. No, you know who I am. Uh, no, no, I can see that you're a talking foot, but... I am the league, and I know the clues. Okay, so what's the next movie for Weird Movie Club? Searching for the run eye Jesus. Oh, of course. Searching for the Wrong-Eyed Jesus, the 2005 American movie directed by Andrew Douglas. Thanks, the leg. And now there is no place to go but home. <laughs> Tune in for the next episode of Weird Movie Podcast. Thank you, as always, for watching another weird movie with me, Sari. Oh, yeah, it's fun. All right, we'll see you next time, weirdos.